Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys for your wonderful singing earlier to me, and happy birthday. Those who, I know you won't hear that if you're listening to the message later, uh, but they did sing to me, and it was awesome. Most people take a vacation day on their birthday. I think, I don't, I don't know if I could find something better to do than to be here and to be preaching and to be preaching what I'm going to preach about today in Romans chapter 6. But before I do, I want to read, as I have most of the time over the last few months as we've been studying Renovation of the Heart, a passage that as I've been going along with those who've been doing it, if not, I think it's still helpful. It's out of day 42. Spiritual formation, good or bad, is always profoundly social. You cannot keep it to yourself. Anyone who says it's just between me and God has misunderstood, misunderstood God as well as me. Jesus gave a, gave a sure mark of the outcome of spiritual formation. Become people who love one another. This love is not unspecified. Just as I have loved you, you should love one another. Failure to love others as Jesus loves us chokes off the flow of the eternal kind of life that our whole human system cries out for. To welcome others, to make a place for them and provide for them is one of the most life-giving and life-receiving things a human being can do. These are the basic universal acts of love. Our lives are meant to be full of such acts, drawing on the abundance of God. Dallas Willard's words, but inspired by the Holy Spirit, I believe. Last week in Romans 5, we talked about more about God's grace and what God's grace does for us in reconciliation. Actually, I think verses, chapters 3 through 5 really talk about that. But chapter 6 begins to turn a corner a little bit. So we're going to talk today in, in, in chapter 6 about the transformation, in, the transformation that happens in our lives because of God's grace. The reconciliation is through God's grace that brings us back to him. But then he begins to cause transformation in our lives to be lived out. And one of the things I love about being a Wesleyan and, of course, being a part of the Church of Nazarene specifically, because I know there's different uh, ways that things can be interpreted inside even that, but one of the things I love about John Wesley, and, and you've heard me say this probably a hundred times if you've been here all nine years, but it, I love what he, the way he states that there's more to salvation than one that gets you to heaven, the one that runs hot and cold or having enough religion to make you feel guilty most of the time. We believe in the renewal of our souls after the image of God in righteousness, and true holiness. What you truly believe and how you behave are inseparable. What you truly believe and how you behave, I'm not getting into legalism, I'm talking, just saying, what you truly believe and how you behave are inseparable. 
through Christ's atonement and his resurrection, what we talked about last week, we believe we can live our lives in such freedom where there's almost no ceiling on what God can do in our lives. Let me say it again. Because of the atonement, because of the resurrection, we believe we can have such freedom that there's basically no ceiling on what God can do in our lives, in a community's life. And that's why I love preaching on this topic I'm going to preach on today. Freedom. Now, I had no clue, and we should have talked this week, but we been going 100 miles an hour, and by the way, great job Friday night on Worship Under the Stars. It was awesome. Thank you, Josiah and team. But freedom, I didn't know today that that song was going to repeat freedom over and over. I didn't know we were singing that today. But true freedom, you've heard me, many of you know me a long time. This is something we brought together years ago, and it's easy for me to remember about true freedom. The ability to know what you should do. The desire to want to do it, and the faith and power to live it out. The ability to know what you should do. Isn't it hard sometimes? I'll talk about that in a little bit when I first became a believer. What am I supposed to do? The ability to know what you should do. The desire to want to do it. Now, I'll say this, and I'm not going to get down in the weeds right now or not even in this message, but we, are not, we were not born with the nature to want to do what's right. In general, especially when it lines up with God's righteousness. Now, we may do right things, and we've got a conscience, and God, we're formed under, under, under right settings, and we want to do right things. But at the end of the day, our full desire to do God's law is not in us. And what if you know it, and you want it, but you didn't have the faith and power to live it out? Oh, but that comes to true freedom. So I'm going to read Romans chapter 6 today, and I'm going to read the whole chapter, and it'll take just a couple of minutes, but I think it's worth us having the whole picture of Romans 6, and hopefully you'll hang in there, and if you don't have it on your device, you can, well, I think, follow along on the on our device or your Bible there handy. You can follow along on the screen. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. I don't, I'm sure I'm way, and Dr. Dan mentioned a few weeks ago, I think I'm probably underselling that by no means there. We are those, uh, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us were baptized into Christ Jesus? We're baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Should we got a big away amen? Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ is raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin. 
but, to, but, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of your, your body as, as sin, to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself, every part of, you, every part of yourself, entirely to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under law but under grace. How many are glad you're under grace? What then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone as an obedient slave, you're slaves of the one you obey. Whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though, though you used to be slaves to sin, you have, have, have come to obey from your heart this pat, obey from your heart the pattern of the teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. Let me ask you, friend, has it acclaimed your allegiance? You've been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I'm using an example for everyday life because of your human limitations. I love it because you're just knuckleheads and I got to get it right down there where you can. That's kind of how I feel about that. Uh, anyway, I'm all right with that. I'm all right with that. With that. I'm from South Arkansas. We've been called that a long time. And it's got to be simple. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves to slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? What a question. Right out of Scripture. You know, I, I, when I read Scripture, I, I not only like to pray over, I like to pray how that Scripture is, is interacting with my personal life at that moment, not just, hey, can I get smarter about what is this saying to me? And man, what a great question, right? The old, Paul would, if it's in New terms, how's that working for you? It's kind of what that's looking like. How's that thing working for you? How, how free did you feel? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6 begins to turn. Yes, let's remember, we didn't earn any of this. God's grace brought us to reconciliation through Christ's death and resurrection and atonement, and we're back. But now, God's grace is going to work the transformation in your life. He's about to use you. He's about to use you. Friends, that's good news. It really is good news. So there's four things I want to touch on here, and I know it's bad to say four because I may end up with three and it could end up with six, but anyway, I'm going to shoot for four, so we'll see how this works. But the first one is grace. The best we can understand the concept of grace, because that's one of the things I think is most difficult sometimes, no matter how long you've been following Christ, is to understand the concept of grace. I really didn't have to earn this. And I need as much grace to get in. I mean, I need as much grace to continue to live this out as I did to get in. <laughs> I need both. 
But, but Paul's words here in verse 1 and 15, shall we keep on sinning where grace, so grace will increase? Or verse 15, shall we sin because we are under law? We're not under law, but under grace. It's almost Paul saying, are you kidding me? <laughs> what you now have available? You would rather just do that to keep sinning so God can forgive you than to be set free from the power of sin? Really, that's what you would rather have? I worked in multiple different fields in my life, not only raised on a farm, but left there, raised in the car business, left there, worked for Texas Instruments for four years, so I worked in high tech for about, like I said, about four years, and then went to work for Alcoa or Alumax, worked there for about six years, so in manufacturing, running a mill, and of course, I've worked in some levels of construction and doing that, and of course, I've been in the church a long time working and not work as a volunteer. One of the things that's been so consistent over all those years and all those places I've worked is so so many people want to know what the minimum is. (laughs) What's the least I have to do here? You've heard me say this before. It's kind of like there's an agreement, right? I'll work hard enough to keep you from firing me. You pay me enough to keep from quitting. And there's just this unwritten, almost law, or, or, or well, I want to know what the minimum is. When it comes to grace and salvation, please don't use that approach. Grace deals with the generosity of God. Have you ever thought about that? When, when people are generous to you, does your mind immediately go to, how can I take more advantage of them? Or could it go to, man, I'm so grateful there in my life. So grateful how they treat me and how they take care of me and how they look after me. And I'm so grateful that they speak truth into my life. I'm so grateful. No, I just want to figure out how to get by with giving them a nod every now and then so they'll continue to be generous. You know, in the human realm, we'd all go, that, that is, that's not good. But how could we do that with God? Because we have a tendency to do that. With God's grace. Many times, and I've heard this, Jan and I have talked about it from our former church and loved the church and God's done a great work through that church, but there was a point where we said, Lord, if there's not more, or at least I did, I sat on my patio after church one Sunday, Lord, if there's not more, there's not more to this than just getting in and attending and giving 10% or whatever all that is, then I'm going to take parts of my Sundays back, a few of my Sundays back, and part of my money back, because if I'm already in, I'm in, but if there's more, I want more. I don't want to cheapen this. I love what Irv McManus says, what Jesus said. Let me say this first. What Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law. What he said I came to do? Fulfill it. And Irv McManus talks about, he, they were often, he said they were often asked at Mosaic, are you, a, are you a grace church or a law church? How do you like that question? <laughs> are you a grace church or a law church? And I love what he says. He says, well, law says do not murder. Grace says do not have hate in your heart for your brother. Law says don't commit adultery. 
Grace says don't have lust in your heart for another. Law says give 10%. Grace says give 10, 20, 30, whatever you want to do. There's no ceiling. So you tell me which one we are. See, grace does not call us to live below the law. Grace calls us to soar above the law. Not living life to the minimum, but living life to the what? The max, the maximum, the abundant life. The, the scripture doesn't say, Jesus came that I may have the minimum life. The enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus says, I have come that you may have this minimum life. John 10, the rest of it made up by curse. The abundant life. So you can decide what we are here at Renovation. Are we a grace church or a law church? That's up to you. But I really believe we're a grace church. You know, in a day and age where for some reason, if you own a business, or you work with people, you're in leadership, you realize so many times the minimum seemed to be in people's life, the radical maximum. <laughs> like that minimum you just asked me seems radical to me. That's, man, look what you're asking of me. I hope and pray for us as a church that the Lord will help us to be everything we were designed to be. Why have we come to renovation years ago, nine years ago? It is really out of that vision. Have along the way we had bumps in the road and turns here and there and, and some seasons of wilderness? You bet. But I will say this, the whole uncommon training that we did years ago and that a few years ago that we hopefully will bring back again is about that right there. It's helping you live into what God has designed you to be. True freedom, the ability to know what you should do, the desire to want to do it, and the faith and power to live it out. Grace, I believe, leads to obedience. When you really grasp grace, when you really, really do, and you're grateful and you see it as a generosity of God, you begin to look for ways to offer yourself. Verse 14, do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because God, because you are not under the law, but under grace. I love this. I was reading my devotional this week in my, not, not renovation of the heart, but in my yearly reading. I love this. It just fit right in today as I was reading it. And it says, sin was your master, your employer. Here's the deal. You only have to be responsible to the one who employs you. Can you imagine going back to a job you had at one time? I think, when I think of the job I had at one time that I literally, I don't hate it fully because that's how I met Jan, but, but where I was. But I hated going to work every day, and that's when I worked for the Chevrolet dealership in Texarkana, Texas. I'd come in each day, and, and, and I was 25 years old, and me and another guy, we would get ripped every day in the sales meeting. I mean, it was cussing at us and F-bomb. It was every day I started that way at 8.15, and at 8.30, they'd go, go get them, bud. Go get them. What is going on here? 
The Lord had me there long enough to meet Jan. I cannot imagine walking into the Chevrolet dealership in Texarkana again on that particular guy who I like now. I still like. But he had a weird way of leading. And me walk in there and him say, and he called me Gentry all the time. Say, Gentry, get out there. Hey, get out there and meet that customer. I need you to get out there. And when you do, I want you to come back here and fill out this profile sheet because that's the thing I stay on you all the time because you're not doing that enough. What would I say to him? I don't know if I'd say anything. I'd probably just walk out because he's no longer my employer. I'm no longer under his authority. Somebody needs to hear this today. You used to be under that authority. And I realize there's bumps in the road and there's stumbles along the way. And you've heard me say this a thousand times. You may trip along the way. Boom, you trip in your, in your walk with Christ. You trip. What, did you, what happens when most people trip in a public place? And the first thing to do is what? Get up quick. See if anybody saw you exactly. Second thing is, is go, what tripped me? And the reason why you look and see what tripped me is not just the fact you won't trip over it anymore, nobody else will either. Is there things in your life that you're tripping over that you're causing going to cause someone else to trip over? Could be your kids. But the bigger thing I would say to you, get up, don't give up. The enemy says give up. The spirit says just get up. Let's go. Let's go. One of the most difficult things when I was first saved was, and it was extremely confusing for me, was how to obey. Because I had not been taught, I was very, most of you have heard my story, those who have heard my story, very green, didn't know enough about scripture or anything else, hadn't been around the church for a decade, so there's a lot of things about that I wasn't around. So I was trying to figure this out, and it was very confusing. As many of you know, too, my story, I, I would take that, when I worked at IUMAX, I'd take this little pocket Bible, this one right here, it was in my back pocket, and I would read it for 30, 45 minutes, and I was learning. And, and so what would happen is, because I was allowed to do that, I had permission for my, because I would just sit there and wait for another coil to come off and band it and all that kind of stuff. And, and so I had time, and, but, 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 but one of the things I kept trying to figure out is, what in this am I supposed to do, and what is this I'm not supposed to do? Thank goodness I stayed out of the Old Testament, right? <laughs> I'd have been scared to death. <laughs> I'd have been striking people down the fire. I'd been, ah. I'm preaching like Dr. Dan all the time. You know, that's a big, uh, yeah, yeah. But I have notes in here and things I've highlighted and things I've circled and things that I, but trying to figure it out, right? And so, 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 so for me, the things I began to realize was the word kept coming up, offer yourself. So what does that mean? Well, be obedient. Try, try, to, try to do what God says. And then whatever he says, try to act it out. Try to start to begin to live it. And one of them was, I realized, is, is if, if, if I take myself out of the way, the more, and that was the hardest part, is to take myself off the throne as I go along, then I put God first and others first, man, it begins to get a little clearer. But it's still hard. Sometimes it means saying no to things and actions and places I used to go. Because what I believe and how I behave 
become inseparable. The things that used to come out of my mouth, the conversations I used to have had to stop. Not because I was legalistic or I thought I was better than anybody. That's not honoring to anybody. That's not honoring the person I'm talking to. It's not honoring the person we're talking about. It's not honoring anybody. Or I begin to do things that I would have never thought of before. One of my read scripture one day in Proverbs eleven twenty four, and then Jan and I began to talk about. We were talking about it. We, we our church talked about it. It's this. It says one per, one person gives freely and yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. And I began to understand a little more about tithing and giving. And, and man, I mean, we, in, in those who know a little bit of our story, man, we've gone through lean, 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 lean times. But we've never stopped giving. Not only to, to others, but tithing, ever. Because I read later the message, and many years later, that's not what motivated, but I love and we've used it here. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Sign me up. True freedom. The ability to know what you should do. The desire to want to do it. And the faith and power to live it out. You know what obedience leads to? It says in verse 19, or verse 16, obedience, which leads to righteousness. Righteousness, whatever conforms to the revealed will of God, what you know. I love 2 Timothy 2, 20 through 22. It's one of my favorite scriptures when I used to teach teens, but, but, but it says, in a large house there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also wood and clay. Some are for noble purposes and some are for ignoble. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument of noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, prepared to do any good work. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness. Faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And I love that last part. I used to tell teens, man, we'll minister to anyone. I choose my influencers very, very carefully. I'll reach out to anybody. I don't care what's happened, where they've been, what, what's going on in their life right then, how bad it is. But my influence need to be those people right there that are walking beside me, going the same direction, who are calling on the lame, the Lord, out of a pure heart. But to pursue. Now think of that about that word. Pursue means an intense or passionate effort, a, hung, a effort, a hunger and thirst after righteousness. The, the words come over and over in our minds. This should be, and I'm going I'm to say this, and I think I'm right on this. This should be the predominant priority of every Christian, to walk in holiness. Now, that happens by us walking in the power of the Spirit by our relationship with Him. It's not just something you go out and I get these set of rules as long as I'm not going there or going doing that. No, that's not what I'm talking about. As I talked about last week, this access 
When an individual turns his life over by faith to God, he also, or she also, is opening up his or her life for the transforming work of the Spirit. It's not like, okay, that's, that's my next level. I'll, I may never get. No, that's not what this says. It's not just what God did for you. It's what he wants to do through you and in you. And I know along the way, people have, you know, the whole lose your salvation, don't lose your salvation, all that, you know, all that kind of conversation people have asked me before because I'm part of the Western. Don't you worry about, Kurt, don't you worry about the fact you may lose your salvation along the way? I'm going, that just never crosses my mind. Because if I am in pursuit of God, the last thing I'm worried about where the line is. That doesn't even cross my mind. Now, if it's crossing your mind, you might want to sit down with somebody and talk about it. I'm not trying to make a light of it. It's just if that's a worry for you. But I'll tell you, if you're in hot pursuit after God and his righteousness, you're probably going to be all right. How do I pursue righteousness? Give yourself away. I think one of the greatest things that reflect the kindness of God, the grace of God, is how he gave himself for our good. When we begin to give ourselves for, for the glory of God and the good of others, even if I don't have all the other things figured out yet. Because sometimes we just start doing things because we believe God may have shown us, and that's how we begin to walk by faith. We may find out later going... Yeah, that probably wasn't of God. But God knew my heart that I was trying to honor him. Now, I'm not talking about something immoral or you know what I'm saying. But I just begin to walk the best I can by faith. 1 Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift, and we can talk, we'll talk about more about that later at a later date. Each of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully, administering God's grace in its various forms. Do you know God's grace comes in various forms? I mean, can you imagine an illustration I've used for 30 years? Can you imagine if you were the most, you could become the most popular person anybody knows that if I said today, you have all the money in the world, and what I want you to do today is to go out and give that money away in its various forms, in its various proportions, as you see the, the, the situation and the fit for it. And here's the deal. As soon as you give it away, I replace it. I replenish it. You'll never be without. All I'm asking you to do is give it away. Grace is even more abundant than that. His grace is sufficient. You'll never run out of it. Just give it away. Gordon McDonald says, the world can do almost anything as well or better than the church, and we all know that. They can build houses, all that. You need not be a Christian to build houses, feed the hungry, or heal the sick. There's only one thing the world could not do. It cannot offer 
grace. And when a transformed life that we're talking about, I don't know if you know this, there is a significant difference in loving someone because of what they have or have not done and loving someone because of who you've become in Christ. There is a grand canyon difference, folks, an enormous difference between God beginning to transform you and you begin to love others in such an unbelievable way because of what he's done in you. It does not depend. They can curse you. They can spit on you. They can slander you. But they cannot stop you from loving them because it's not dependent on them. It's dependent on who you've become in him. Changes everything. Maybe renovation's single most important contribution to our community is that we may be one of those places that people can go to find grace. We may not build a house. Well, we may. We may remodel it. We may not give food, even though we do. Or we may not see this, visit the sick, even though we will. But the greatest thing we might be known for is this. True freedom, the ability to know what you should do, the desire to want to do it, and the faith and power and to, faith and power to live it out. And verse 19 said, says, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. First Peter 1:15. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy. Because I am holy. Hebrews 12, 14. Pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. I believe if someone is spirit-filled, there will be a burning thirst to experience Christ's holiness in every corner of their life. Every corner of your being where holiness is not just imputed or borrowed, it's imparted. It literally becomes a part of who you are. I know that sounds like wishful thinking, and I realize none of us are perfect, and we'll not be perfect till we see him face to face. But the pursuit is the question, right? It's not the fact that I caught it. I've accomplished it. I'm there. But the hunger and thirst and pursuit does matter. Because God did not forgive you just for the sake of forgiving. And I'm so thankful he did. Or even demonstrate his loving nature, which he's done. He reconciles us to himself for the purpose of glorifying his name through our lives. The Greek word for glory, doxa, it involves the concept of recognition. More precisely, it's what which causes something or someone to be recognized for what it really is. What if you, can you imagine if everybody had that little ability? I don't care what you're saying out of your mouth. I've got the ability to recognize who you are no matter what. That'd be scary, wouldn't it? 
Does anybody, do you agree? That'd be a little scary. We read in Scripture that humankind is the glory of God in 1 Corinthians 11. It's telling us that God was recognized in humans. Humans were supposed to accurately represent God. Adam did till he fell short of the glory of God. Jesus comes, reconciles us back to have the opportunity now to be brought back into true righteousness and true holiness. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and put on the new self. Anybody need a new self today? (laughs) Created to be like God, not God, but created to be like God in true righteousness and true holiness. To be changed back to what we were originally designed to be. To be a reflection that almost, you've heard me say this before, it's almost like the animals walking through the garden and just kind of rubbing their eyes if they could do that. I don't know if they do it with hooves or whatever you do that with. You know what I'm saying? They just go, man, I thought that was God and it was just Adam. Because he looks so much like him in his reflection of who God is. God uses various forms as he changes us to go about things. You know, this week, I had one of our board members who, who works for Child Help, Laurel, came to me, and you just go, you know, I just, she was so excited, and I didn't know what she was going about to tell me, and she was giving me the report on Child Help and Hotline, especially over the last two years, a year and a half. It's been unbelievable amount they've been called. And... Uh, I was kind of shocked as she started uh, showing me the last page of it and said the Child Help National Abuse Hotline would like to thank the following sponsors and donors. And it lists the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, In-N-Out Burger, uh, another foundation, Walmart stores, National Center for Victims of Crime, John Stamos, and Renovation Church. I never thought I'd ever see our name next to John Stamos, but there we are. (laughs) His picture's right there. I'm not lying. You're not trying to get on any list. You're just trying to figure out how to give away God's grace in its various forms. That's all you're trying to do. And as you're obedient, and Jan and I, like I said, with generosity, I would never call us generous in that sense. We're just trying to be obedient and whatever else comes out of that's God's call or somebody else's. But man, I can't imagine living the other way. You know, John Wesley said, I was asked to define holiness and he said, the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And the hardest part of that is in order to do that, you've got to die out to your self-centered self. We have the opportunity every day to demonstrate God's grace to the world around us. 
true freedom. The ability to know what you should do, the desire to want to do it, and the faith and power to live it out. I'm going to ask Josiah and them to come on up as we close. But I, I think we may have it on the screen of what I read to you earlier from Renovation of the Heart. And I just wanted to read that again at the end here. Spiritual formation, good or bad, is always profoundly social. You cannot keep it to yourself. Anyone who says it's just between me and God has misunderstood God as well as me. Jesus gave us a sure mark of the outcome of spiritual formation. Become people who love one another. This love is not unspecified. Just as I have loved you, you shall love one another. Failure to love others as Jesus loves us chokes off the flow of the eternal kind of life that our whole human system cries out for. To welcome others, to make a place for them and provide for them is one of the most life-giving and life-receiving things a human being can do. These are the basic universal acts of love. Our lives are meant to be full of such acts drawing on the abundance of God. saying that you know we've coined around here that we borrow from Leif Peterson years ago I think people know need to know God loves them he loves them he's on their side he's coming after them he's relentless God loves you he's on your side he's coming after you he's relentless if I had one message to preach besides praying and asking you come to know Christ as your Savior it may be this one today because true freedom living into the fullness of what God has for you and designed you for I don't know if I got a greater message in that sense this will be the last message I preach for a few weeks my lovely wife Jan and I are going to take a few weeks off and rest and try to and I'm trying to live out what I preach and that's obedience I've not been obedient in that particular thing over the last many years I'm very fortunate, Jan and I are, that we have a board who not only encourages this, but has blessed us to be able to do this. We're blessed here at Renovation with a phenomenal campus that's paid for that needs to be upgraded, no doubt, along the way. And there's a lot of things that need to happen here or who knows what the Lord's uh, real vision is for all that's going on. But he's blessed us with a great team a preaching team, a teaching team that I, I would put up anywhere. <laughs> but I know I have to walk the best I can in obedience or I can't preach this and I can't live it. So I'm trying to get that back in order and it's been a little out of order. So if you call me or text me or email me and I don't get back to you for a month, nothing personal. <laughs> But I just want you to know that's the last message I ever preached. I'm praying it's not. 
That's what I tell you. We have the right now under the access to the King of Kings to be free. We no longer work for the dealership in Texarkana. We no longer show up for a sales meeting where you're cussed at every day. I no longer work for you. I don't care what you tell me. I no longer work for you. And I have to be reminded of that. And even when I show up sometimes, I don't know why I'm there, and I stumble and I go back a little bit, I'm going to get up and not give up. I'm going to try to do everything I can to correct that so not only will I not trip over it again, nobody else will leave it. That's following after me as I follow after Christ. During this time, and it's been a dark, some ways time for me over the last few months, not just COVID, other things the Lord's been really, really been working on me on. And I told you, I think, I may have mentioned it last week. I don't, can't, can't remember if I did or not, but there's a song we've been singing for the last few weeks. It's kind of become, and, and, I, and I'm a guy who I go through wilderness times or things like that. It doesn't have to be wilderness. It could be good times. But somehow they always have a song. Fortunately for you, I won't sing it. But I can get somebody else to do it. As we close out today, I'm going to ask you to stand and sing it with us if you know it. If you're able to stand. It's the power. This song I played, I probably played over hundreds of times at least a hundred in the last few weeks just being reminded that I need to take back back ground the enemy's taken I need to walk in a way where the enemy enemy's camp is concerned (laughs) I need to walk in that and so we're going to close with that today but our desire for you to walk in freedom into the fullness of God is what God has designed for you and walk in the power and authority you've been given for his glory. Everyone else is better. Let me pray for us. We stand. Lord, we come before you today knowing...